You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the DNB Supply Show. Thank you so very much for joining us again this week. Well, I'll tell you what, the summertime in Eastern Oregon, in the Treasure Valley, and the Magic Valleys of Idaho are wonderful times, and there is so much to do. But even with so much to do, every now and then we find ourselves asking, what are we going to do this weekend? What can we do? And I wanted to talk about agritourism with you this week and give you a couple options. I've got one option in the Magic Valley and one in the Treasure Valley, but really just to expose you and kind of get the wheels turning about agritourism, because wherever you're located, there's going to be a farmer, a rancher out there who's going to welcome you onto their farm or to their ranch. They're going to teach you about agriculture, give you the chance to buy stuff right off of the farm and have a great experience and a great time for you and for your family. So today we're going to do two interviews and we're having on first Kareen Logan, who is the owner of Willow's Edge Farm in Cuna, Idaho. And spoiler alert, she's actually my neighbor. Uh, We share a fence line and a creek between us out here in Cuna. And then after that, we're having on Robin Kelly, who co-owns Kelly's Canyon Orchard with her sister down in Filer, Idaho, where you can go and pick your own fruit, both out of the orchard and out of the the watermelon patch at the right time of year. So we'll be talking all about these different places and what they offer you. And my hope for you is that uh, you find yourself on a farm, an agritourism spot at some point this summer and really get to enjoy the beautiful Idaho and Oregon outdoors, as well as our rich agricultural heritage. Kareen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. It's fun to have you over and talk to you. I mean, we're next door neighbors. Yeah. Uh, You've got the farm next to mine, but uh, you are very active when it comes to agritourism. So when I uh, decided to do this episode, I thought, well, what a perfect fit to have Kareen over and and talk about everything that you're doing there. Definitely. We have a lot of fun over there. Well, I'll tell you what, to start off, I'd like to just have you kind of introduce yourself to our listening audience and tell everybody just a little bit about yourself. You bet. Yeah, I'm Kareen Logan. And I own Willow's Edge Farm out here in CUNA and grown up with animals, primarily horses, since I was about six. We moved from the city of Seattle out to the country. Dirt roads, didn't really understand even what that was all about, but uh, got my pony. I was happy. (laughs) That was kind of the beginning of the end. And um, just have always had a love for teaching people. I mean, even going back to childhood, have had a love for teaching people about horses and then cattle and our other animals that kind of come and go on the farm. Mm -hmm. And the other part to that is the whole, not only animal husbandry, but caring for our lands. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people just don't don't know about it. Mm -hmm. And I think as a farmer rancher, that's my responsibility to help teach people. So how long have you had your farm here in CUNA now? Here in CUNA, we have been here for a little over six years now. Now, you're raising, okay, so I know from firsthand experience, <laughs> fence line contact, you've got you've got the horses, you've got cattle, you have sheep. Sheep, yep. And what else do you have going on over there? I've got some chickens and, you know, every couple of years we'll add in a couple pigs and specializing though in the rare breeds on the horses and the cattle is the big thing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So you have, you've found kind of a niche. Yeah. with the breeds of horses. So what breeds of horses and cattle do you have? Okay, so the horses, they're uh, Norwegian fjords, originally from Norway. They're one of the oldest 
and purest known breeds in the world, super small. When we talk about their numbers, we talk about, you know, 6,000 of them Mm -hmm. in America here. We compare that to the American Quarter Horse, which most people are familiar with. And we've got 15,000 in Idaho alone. (laughs) So different numbers. And then the cattle, we're talking about Irish Dexter cattle, uh, originally from Ireland, and they do a great job of finishing both meat and milk on grass alone. Mm-hmm. Definitely a lot smaller cattle. <laughs> when we look across the fence, we've got different size animals for <laughs> That's sure. True. Yeah, my Herefords, they get big compared to your Dexters. Yeah. But then on the flip side, you can have twice as many on the same pasture as me. There you go. Or maybe maybe <laughs> two thirds or something, or one and a third or something like that. There you go. So what made you choose to go with the specialty animals? That's an interesting question all of itself. Oh, that's a great question. So probably going back 15, maybe even 20 years ago now, my family of origin, family business was horse trailers, horse Mm -hmm. trailers, utility trailers, car haulers, and all that stuff. Customer came in, had an emergency, had to unload the horse so we could do the repairs on the trailer and out walks this majestic, amazing animal. And of course I had all of the questions. Mm -hmm. Do you do its hair? And are they always this quiet? And are they this small? I call them my miniature draft horses. So even though they're shorter and most of them are technically considered ponies. They carry adults, no problem. Okay. Yeah. And and I just knew that was going to be a horse that I needed to have, but that was back really before the internet. And it took a while to find them. It took a while to find some that were even for sale. So. so that was your first exposure to the Norwegian Fjord? Yeah. And then the Irish Dexter cattle, just trying to do research on what smaller cattle would work for our farm and found these guys and did more research on them and... They just, everything that I kept wanting, the smaller size, the great quality on the meat and Mm -hmm. the milk, uh, being the dual purpose breed, they just kept fitting all those bills and they were a whole lot easier to find with the advent of the internet. And how have people responded to both uh, the Norwegian Fjord breed of horse and then the Dexter uh, with the cattle breed? Oh, people love them. Both nationally when I'm selling animals as well as when people come out to the farm, they're very unique. They're very endearing very much so with the horses. They absolutely love people. They get a little cranky if you don't come over and say hi. So when you come out to the farm, definitely go over and say hi to the horses. And the Dexters, they're fun. They're quieter than other breeds that people are used to and definitely smaller. And I think that really surprises people. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to ask about how you got into agritourism and what you do on your farm to, to kind of enhance your business. Yeah, you bet. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At DMB Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at DMB. DMB's got just the feed for every horse at every life stage. Purina Strategy. Whether your horses are growing, breeding, showing, or performing, Purina Strategy delivers the right density of protein, energy, and fat with less starch for more endurance and overall stamina. It's true. The standard in horse feed just got better. Our Purina Strategy horse feed now includes Outlast Supplement to support the gastric health of every horse in your barn. We'll see you soon at your favorite DMB Supply. All right, Kareem. Well, now that we're back, I wanted to ask you, 
So you've done a lot of niche things on your farm. We both have small farms. Right. We're in CUNA. We're trying to figure out a way to make the farm pay. Right. And on yours, you have the niche breed of horse, the niche breed of cattle. And now you've also incorporated agritourism onto your farm. Why did you choose to do that? Oh, agritourism. We've been doing that since before that was even a word. I love to be able to teach people. And that goes back really into, like I said, childhood mm-hmm. when it was something as simple as learning, teaching people how to clean horses' hooves. Inviting people out to the farm has been a way to both educate the public as well as provide additional income for the farm. Mm -hmm. Farming is not always the most lucrative thing. So one of the things that we've been able to do is add some extra income to the farm to balance things out. So it's kind of another revenue source from the business standpoint. Uh, But it also sounds like it's intrinsically rewarding for you uh, because you get to have that interaction and teach people. I love doing it. Well, let's talk about what you do do. So at Willow's Edge Farm, when it comes to your form of agritourism, what do you offer for people if they want to come out and do something kind of different this summer? Our primary piece of agritourism really is the summer camp where we're teaching the kids. And we've got week-long day camps where the kids will come out and they get to go hands-on and they are doing everything from feeding to their assisting with training to cleaning stalls. They really get their hands in there and get dirty. And probably the most rewarding part of that is at the end of the week, these kids are leaving in tears because they don't want to leave. Oh, really? And parents who are like so excited about their kids who are excited about telling them Mm-hmm. what they've done and how they do things like learning how to tie different knots because we want to make sure that we stay safe and the animals stay safe. Anyways, we also do agritourism tours where you guys are coming out to the farm and we're going to walk around, feed the horses in the morning and the cattle, go walk the fields and really learn about not only the animals, but about what it is that we're feeding, why we're feeding. And then of course, what we do with the stuff that comes out the other end and how that takes care of the fields and nourishes the animals all over again. And then the last piece that we do, birthday parties, kids' birthday parties. Okay. A lot of fun. We incorporate a farm tour in there. Some of our packages also include horseback riding. And typically my girls that are helping me are going to be teaching the kids a little bit about riding horses and what that involves and what that means. I want to go back to the farm life camp really quick yeah. and ask a couple questions about that. So that's a week long. Do I understand that? Yes, right? week long day camp. Okay. Oh, day camp, meaning they're not staying overnight. Yes. You okay. get to pick them up and <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they're coming out and they're getting how many hours a day for five days of, of education? Five days are coming out at 830 in the morning. They get picked up typically about two o'clock in the afternoon Okay, and it's intense. Yeah. We, we get a lot done in those hours, yeah. How many kids will you have for one day camp? So that's a great question. I really keep it small, 10 to 12. 10 to 12. Well, yeah. it still sounds like that's going to be pretty yeah. pretty busy. Yeah. It. Oh, yeah. They keep me completely busy. Okay. <laughs> I sleep well during those weeks. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. And what are the age range of the kids that come out? Age ranges for the kids. Uh, we have it open for 5 to 14 Typically, most of our kids are 5 to 12, and we really do have them at both of those ends, um, and they do really well. I know a lot of parents are like, oh, I don't know if I can send my 5-year-old. Send them. They not only can do it, but they love it. So are most of the the kids coming out, they live in a city area like Boise or Meridian or something like that? Almost exclusively, yeah. I have kids coming from a lot from Eagle, 
Boise up at the North End, a couple here in town, CUNA, mm-hmm. but most of them are coming from a ways. I had one from New Plymouth. Oh, really? Two weeks ago, and they drove every single day. Wow. Yeah. So uh, what kind of experience do these young ladies and young men have when, the, when they're coming to your farm? Oh, that's great. Of course, it's just priceless to see these kids. We go out and we feed all the animals, and then the next thing that we do is clean up after mm-hmm. them because that's an easy time to do that. Oh, my gosh. Some of them, when they first grab that pitchfork, they're, ooh, gross, right? <laughs> At the end of the week, they're like, oh, I'd rather be cleaning stalls than my bedroom. <laughs> Seriously. And the parents are like, how do you do that? I'm like, well, we turn it into fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're cleaning. They're learning about horse anatomy. They're learning body language. One of the really simple things, Mm because our animals can't talk to us with words, Mm -hmm. like you and I are having a conversation, but their body language can tell us all sorts of things. And then how we respond to them is our way of talking back. Okay. And that's pretty universal with a lot of different animals. They don't have a voice like we do. So we learn their body language, and that's how we can have conversations with them. Uh, Do the parents stay, or do they drop the kids off? I've only had one parent stay, and she was a great photographer for the week for me. (laughs) Most of them, yeah, they're dropping them off, going to work, doing their errands, and then coming back to pick up. So by the time, let's say I'll take an average, I'll take an eight-year-old young lady. Yes. By the time she's done at your place for a week and she goes home, she goes back to uh, her house in a subdivision in Meridian or wherever it may be. She now has an understanding of what goes on and, and what goes into raising livestock and farming. Yeah, a very basic understanding but yeah definitely there's so much to learn as as you and i know Mm -hmm. it's not something where you can pick up a book and oh hey i'm gonna learn how to raise horses that just doesn't work (laughs) you know it's hands-on it's day after day after day of learning this stuff and so a week is a great starter but even during my different weeks of camp each week is learning something a little bit different like one week we'll go ahead and do vaccines so they actually see me give vaccines to the horses They'll watch me do vet work on the sheep. Some of them will actually get to come in and help. And I'm a big believer in, you know what, if they want to learn, they want to get in there and do that. Mm-hmm. Totally okay as long as it's safe. Okay. Safety is number one. So, I mean, a lot of what you're doing is around children and yeah. having the kids come out. So that's yeah. obviously, you kind of form this in a way that rewards you as well. It sounds like that's what you like. Oh, that feeds my soul. I love working with kids and it's... The biggest part of that is being able to see those little faces. They just light up when they learn something and it clicks, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got it. They're not adults who are going to say, oh, yeah, I got that. And then go, wait, what was I doing? What was I supposed (laughs) to do? Kids are very honest, very open. And when they don't get something, most of the time they're like, hey, I don't I don't know what you're talking about. And very easy to get those things corrected and teach them the right way to do things. I'll tell you what, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the other things that you offer for folks to come out and do something fun this summer. Sounds great. Things are heating up around here at DNB. You'll see why when you check out our wide selection of high performance stoves from Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator Eco Choice. These classic pellet and wood burning stoves light up your hearth and home. They give you even heat and easy maintenance with craftsmanship that stands the test of time and really stands out. So swing on by D&B Supply and see how Harman, Quadrifier, and Heatilator Eco-Choice stoves can warm up your home. 
When you need to ride with trust, loyalty, honesty, and high-performing gear, ride with Weaver Leather, available at DMB Supply. For work, trail, and competition, Weaver Leather handcrafts original designs with the horse person in mind. Handcrafted in the U.S. for more than 40 years, you'll find innovative designs, skilled craftsmanship, keen attention to detail, and only the finest materials in every Weaver Leather product. To ride tall in the saddle, stop by your favorite D&B supply for Weaver Leather. All right. Well, Kareen, let's talk about uh, the birthday parties. That sounds pretty fun. And, you know, I had some creative birthday parties when I was a kid, but never did I have one on a farm. What do you do? Yeah, right. People are always like, what do we do something different for a birthday party? And I think we've kind of filled that niche. And they actually came about as an afterthought. We did the summer camp and back in the day used to do writing lessons. I'd get a lot of phone calls. Hey, do you guys do birthday parties? Mm -hmm. And after about the sixth time of saying no, I'm like, yeah, we need to be doing (laughs) birthday parties. It was kind of a combination of the mini writing lessons, the farm tour, and then a birthday party. And when you come out for a birthday party, you get the farm to yourself. We're not having six other birthday parties like you might get when you go in town to a restaurant. It's you, your family, your friends, and it's so it's a little bit more intimate. Parents have almost as much fun and sometimes even more than the kids because they're learning all sorts of things that they didn't know about either from Mm -hmm. gardening to eggs to, you know, the horses and cattle. So we really incorporate that farm tour in there. And then the kids, like, like I said, with some of the packages, they're doing the horseback riding. And so they're learning a little bit about that as well. Great. And you've got a great barn. Yeah, it's an awesome barn. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you're hosting like if they're sitting down for cake or something, is it in the barn? It's in the barn. We've got plenty of tables and seating. Once upon a time, we did a couple events for the Sons of Norway. Mm-hmm. We'd have 100 people. There were 115 people at one of their events. Wow. They came in with the Norwegian Fjord Horse Group. That's the reason we did them. But okay. Yeah. Well, it's it's a it's a wonderful barn and what a great setting. That's got to be yeah. exciting for the kids to have it there. It is, yeah. Okay, now seasonality wise, and and you can speak just to agritourism in general for our area here. How deep into the fall, into the winter, are are things available for people to go into this? I think that in our Treasure Valley area, we've got a lot of different options from spring farm tours to all of the different the lavender festival that was last weekend and i think there might be another one coming up to pick your own both fruits and vegetables in the fall we've got the pumpkin patches and the corn mazes which are Mm -hmm. totally fun and then even going into winter there's a few of the farms who've opened up and done christmas tree operations Mm -hmm. there at the farm so i think for opportunities there's a lot to be had here in the Treasure Valley. Is there kind of a community? I mean, all of you that are involved in agritourism and are are hosting people and kind of really being the face, the liaisons, if you will, for agriculture to folks living in town, is there kind of a community of you all together? You'd think there would be. (laughs) Yeah. We know a few of the other people that are involved in doing events on their farms, but boy, I'll tell you, with as busy as we all are, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of time for socializing. Maybe that's something else I need to add to my list of things to do. (laughs) All right. Well, where can people find out more about Willow's Edge Farm if they'd be interested in speaking with you further? Yeah, great, Matt. Easiest way to get a hold of us is our website, and that is willowsedgefarm.com. We're also on Facebook. So if you're heavy on Facebook, 
that's a great way to contact us as well. And we'll get back to you just as soon as we can. All right. Well, hey, thank you very much for sharing a little bit about your farming operation as well as agritourism with us today. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Everybody, we will be right back after this break with Robin Kelly from Kelly's Canyon Orchard. The chicken or the egg? D&B knows what comes first. It's Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed which leads to both a healthier chicken and fresh, hard-shelled eggs. With over 90 years of experience raising healthy poultry, Neutrina NatureWise gives your hens wholesome, natural nutrition they can sink their beaks into. Free-range and home-raised flocks gobble this expertly designed and formulated layer feed in pellets and crumbles. So flock to your favorite D&B supply to pick up a bag of Neutrina NatureWise Layer Chicken Feed for balanced nutrition. We love George Strait for more than his music. After 56 number one singles, George is still a family man and a real cowboy. That's why we love him, and that's why he wears nothing but Wrangler. The George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler has a huge selection of styles a cowboy can be comfortable wearing anywhere. So head to your favorite D&B supply and try the George Strait Cowboy Cut Collection by Wrangler. Long live cowboys. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure. Well, I am excited to talk to you. Uh, we talked off the air, and and I was telling you that uh, my wife, who grew up down in Buell, very close to Filer, where you're located, she's a big fan. She likes to come pick fruit at, at your orchard when she gets back home. Yeah, we hear that story a lot. And actually, I'm a Buell kid myself, along with my siblings. And so we've got a really great tie to the Buell Indians in that community, even though the orchard itself is physically in Filer. Uh-huh. We're just seven miles north of Filer and just 20 miles next to Twin Falls. So we're nestled in the Snake River Canyon and really like all of our neighbors, even coming from Gooding and Wendell, Shoshone, we're really in the heart of that Snake River Valley. So even though we're in Filer, we like all the other communities as well. And we are, of course, talking about Kelly's Canyon Orchard in Filer and a great spot for people to go and, and engage in agriculture or agritourism. And your farm there has quite a history established in 1908, I saw on the website. It goes back quite a ways. It does. The orchard was established by our great-grandfather. His name was John Steele Gorley. And the reason that he came to the Magic Valley is because of his father, the Reverend John Gorley. And he came to Twin Falls because he was asked to establish the first Presbyterian church. And so that big, beautiful church in Twin Falls was established by my great-great-grandfather, John Gorley. And his son wanted to homestead. And we come from Apple history from Pennsylvania, So they wanted to homestead, and he picked the site down in the canyon, and the canyon was picked specifically for its climate. The water of the Snake River provides extra flow of air through the orchards, and then the canyon walls themselves capture temperatures, warmer temperatures specifically for the spring frosts. Mm -hmm. So we are usually a couple degrees warmer in the canyon than we are up on top. And so my great-grandfather homesteaded down there in 1908, which means that this year is our 110th anniversary. Wow. 110 years. So your ancestors, your your family, they're some of the first people into the Magic Valley, really. Yeah, some of the first people. And really, the canyon and the islands that are down there were are still, but we're very sandy. It's not until vegetation really started to take hold with the 
fertilizers in our water from farmers that the vegetation in the canyon started to grow. It used to be all sand. And so he had to use oxen and horses to draw out rocks and sagebrush, just like many other farms around the community have done. Mm -hmm. And he had to do what's called a proof up shack. And proof up means that you have to have proof that you're homesteading. And so we actually have the original receipts of his lumber that came down into the orchard in 1906, actually, is when he established his proof-up shack and um, have pictures of oxen and horses bringing the lumber down the grade and into the canyon to help prove that he was homesteading in 1906. Wow, interesting. And then what happened after that is then once he established the first structure and resided, then he started planting peach trees. And he did start planting peach trees in 1906 also. And we have a picture of his first peach crop in 1908. It was taken by Bixby Photography. No, Bixby or but maybe Bybee. Bybee Photography. And it's actually, it is on our website. But our first crop came in 1908 of peaches. Now, how long have people been able to come out to the orchard and pick their own fruit? Oh, that's kind of a tough question. I don't have an exact date of when you picks, we call them you picks, you pick your own. Uh-huh. It was first established, but I can tell you from the history of families visiting us still that we have stories of multiple generations coming out. Just two years ago, we had an elderly couple that were in their 80s come to visit us and they talked about being early newlyweds and visiting the orchard. So that would have been 60 plus years ago visiting orchard as newlyweds and picking together and they have come every year since. And so we do have people tell us about their experiences. That's one of the great treasures of working the fruit stand and being in the orchard is hearing other people's experiences. And now we have younger generations saying, oh, whenever I come for the summer to visit my grandparents, we always come here. So it is a multi-generational activity and one that families really truly enjoy together and you know, the 4th of July holiday is coming up or is nearby. And when we have events like 4th of July or Labor Day, we always hear, we come here every Labor Day weekend. We have to get our peaches mm-hmm. or we have to get our cherries at the end of June uh, because it is part of their family experience. And it also takes note of the season. And the season that fruit ripens for the Magic Valley is late June all the way through October. Wonderful stuff. And... uh delicious as well. I, am, I, I will say from personal experience. <laughs> now, Thank you. We we really do take pride in that as a fruit orchard at, that serves directly to our community. So we don't do the activity called pick to pack. So the large orchards pick fruit specifically for the purposes of packing and shipping. Mm-hmm. And that is not us. We pick fruit straight for the consumers. So we pick it and it goes straight to our customer's hands and mouths. And so what that affords us to do is we pick fruit ripe. Mm-hmm. We let the fruit ripen on the tree and to be able to have its full flavor. And then we pick it and then people can eat it. <laughs> and so that is one of the things about the flavor that you're talking about and describing already, Matt, is that how good it is. And I, there is lore of how great the soil is in the Snake River Canyon Basin and what kind of fruit trees can thrive there. But there is something pretty special about the fruit trees in the canyon. And last year I answered a phone call from a customer. She was coming back to Twin Falls to see family from Montana. Mm-hmm. And she was really wanting some of our nectarines. And when she heard that the nectarines were on and ready, 
she started crying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because it was tears of joy because she was so happy that she was going to catch our nectarines because they are not anywhere good as anywhere else she can get them. So she was headed right on over. <laughs> well, that is one good nectarine. My goodness. I, I know. I'm not making it up either. I took the phone call, so it's a, it's a true story. Oh, very cool. Okay, well, let's do this. I have to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, you know what people can do when they come out to Kelly's Canyon Orchard and all the different uh, varieties of fruits and, and things that you offer there, okay? You got it. Thank you. Tailgating season's here, and D&B Supplies got just the generator to run your stuff. The Honda EU2000. Uh, the EU2000 is excellent for tailgating because it's super quiet. So generally, you're in a parking lot with a lot of other people. They get irritated if you've got a real loud generator. So that's one of the biggest things. And then, of course, you can fill the tank up, and generally it's going to last all the time that you're out there tailgating. The Honda EU2000, available at D&B Supply. Say you were to ride off into the sunset. Ideally, what kind of boots and clothes would you be wearing? For horseback riders of all styles, nothing beats the look and performance of Ariat. Available at DMB Supply. Everyone from famous rodeo cowboys to country music legends to equestrian Olympians. Turn to Ariat with confidence. You can count on them too. Think of Ariat as your ultimate riding companion for the life and times in the West. When you need to better outfit your ride with Ariat, stop by your favorite DMB Supply. Well, Robin, now that we're back, let's talk about current day. So how does everything run? How does all the work get done at Kelly's Canyon Orchard? And, you know, what is available for people when they come out to go to your farm? Thank you. Um, Yes. So we have been in business since uh, 1906 and have been running fruit since my great grandparents ran it. And currently my sister Gretchen and I own and operate the orchard. And so we are fourth generation, and I'm very proud to say that our kids, the fifth generation, are actively involved. We have just wrapped up our cherry season, and all of those fifth generation kids have been picking cherries, irrigating, pulling weeds, and picking fruit. And so my sister Gretchen and I own and operate it along with a crew. We have very dedicated employees that have been with us for a long time Mm -hmm. that are seasonal in nature because the fruit is seasonal in nature. So we do have a solid crew right now running the not only the fruit stand but also the back end orchard operations and we're we're pretty we've got a pretty good solid crew and it's fun to do. So we currently are in a little bit of a lag of fruit because cherries came and went. We had a large frost in early April When it gets down to about 26 degrees in April when the cherry blooms and fruit blooms are in full force and they're beautiful and they smell so fragrant, Mm -hmm. if we get about 26 degrees in the evening time and it holds for three hours, then we start seeing massive fruit loss. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened to us this last April, which meant that we lost about 85% of our cherries. And that meant that we had only eight days of cherries, a Mm -hmm. season that should have been five weeks was only eight days. So I'm very sad to say that we're out of cherries. We're sold out. We should have been still in cherries until the middle of July and we're sold out. But what we are looking forward to is our peaches, pears, plums, nectarines, apples, watermelon, and cantaloupe. We do do ground crops too. So those will be coming on at the end of July, very beginning of August. And we have eight varieties of peaches that vary in season. 
So we'll start out with our early slicing peaches called early red havens, red havens, and then we'll move through the season with all the other favorites, which include Albertas and Hales and O. Henry's, along with three varieties of pears, about six varieties of plums, and then we have 11 varieties of apples. So we will run for at least 10 to 11 weeks strong starting at the beginning of August all the way through October 7th, 8th, which is when we close it up with a great pumpkin and apple harvest. Very cool. So for people who want to come out and experience this and to pick their own fruit, when they come out, is it bring your own ladder, bring your own boxes? I mean, how should people be prepared? People should prepare to be, make a day of it, quite honestly. They do not need to bring their own ladders. We supply ladders, but we ask them, people to climb cautiously and use the most able-bodied people to climb ladders. But we supply picking buckets, and we do encourage people to bring their own boxes and or containers or buckets to take it home in. And Bug spray is always a good idea and closed-toed shoes. I love those families that show up and they've got their little kids and beautiful dainty sandals and I put my hands on my hips and shake my head and say, those are not orchard shoes. So bring your closed-toed shoes and uh, some bug spray and come make a day of it in a picnic. We've got wonderful green grassy areas for families to have a picnic and sit by the creek. And then check our Facebook events pages because we do bring food trucks down. Okay. And we have food vendors on special weekends. And we also have some dates coming up where we have another fellow gardener coming and delivering all of her fresh produce so people can buy all the fresh garden produce that they'd like to, almost like a mini farmer's market. So all of those special occasions of the food trucks and the produce stand are available on our Facebook events pages, and so people can choose the time and dates. If you want to avoid the crowds, during the week is the best. You know, a Tuesday, Wednesday is always the best, and we will be open from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day when we're in season. So call your friends, make a date, come on down, and you got to come down regularly because different fruits come on and off. Mm -hmm. So you might catch the early red havens in early August, but three weeks later, we're going to be in the red globe peaches, and the red globe peaches are some of my favorite. So even though you think you've gone to the orchard, you're done for the year, you just got to keep visiting because we're running <laughs> through right. different kinds of fruit and different varieties, and they're all different from one another. Okay. And I will say that we are having, we're partnering with Rudy's also in September to do a stone fruit cooking class. Okay. So check out the Rudy's kitchen schedule because my sister Gretchen will be doing a fruit cooking class with Rudy's and those type of community partnerships are really fun and we really like to eat. Now, Rudy's, I'm assuming, is a restaurant? Rudy's Kitchen is the kitchen supply store in downtown Twin Falls. Oh, okay. And so they do cooking classes, and so we'll be, we're partnering with them in September to offer a okay. stone fruit cooking class. I'm such a CUNA person. I didn't know. So, yeah, <laughs> so thank it's you. okay. Well, I will say, you know, I know a lot of our li listeners are from the Treasure Valley, and I will tell them that I also sell at the Boise Farmer's Market, the okay. downtown Boise Farmer's Market, which is on 10th and Grove. When I have fruit in season, myself, Robin, and my cousin, Brett, who is also a fourth-generation orchard kid, mm -hmm. we sell at the 10th and Grove Farmer's Market, which is called the Boise Farmer's Market. Right. And so when we have fruit in season, we're selling there too. So we really do service that Treasure Valley and have a good following there. As a matter of fact, when I couldn't sell cherries in Boise this last weekend, I had four customers truck their bodies down to Little Violet, Idaho to pick their own cherries. 
and I was really glad to see him. So <laughs> we are just a short jaunt from Boise. It's only 100 miles, and if people do travel to see us, we just recommend that they hit Cloverleaf Creamery and Buell along with the Hot Springs, Bamberry, and Miracle, which is just downriver from us, or they can also play golf at Clear Springs Country Club. So we have quite a niche of hospitality services in the valley and start with a fruit orchard get your work done of picking fruit and enjoying that first and then go have some ice cream or soak in the hot springs yeah the uh the ice cream at cloverleaf is i'm gonna go ahead and say the best i've ever had that's phenomenal stuff <laughs> yeah we make frequent stops and when i talked about that generation the fifth generation of kids that are working the orchard this is we use cloverleaf ice cream as a good carrot is if you say to get some getting some work done we promise the ice cream shop for later in the day well look i wanted to ask you about agritourism kind of in general it's such a it's such a great concept for those of us who enjoy and appreciate agriculture because we get a chance to have people out have them engage in in something on our property and then educate them a little bit do you get a chance to do that to kind of teach people about stone fruits or or farming in general when they come out to your property Absolutely. Uh, one of the things that we do a lot of is talk as a farmer facing the consumer is helping people understand about our product and our fruits. And one of the first things is always what's in season when. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not from California. I didn't grow up there, but I have a hard time knowing when the heck avocados are really in season because what we see in our grocery stores transcend seasonality. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's in season because of the availability. And so we really have to help people understand our region and what is in season when. So they might see on our sign that, oh my gosh, you have apples and it's early June. Can I get a case of apples? And the answer is no. When you see apples in the grocery store in the spring months, that's because they have been preserved in a shed. Mm-hmm. They were picked in October and November and then they're preserved and for consumers to buy. So grocery stores have really skewed our, our sensibility of what's in season. So we do a lot of education about what is in season. The second thing that I also do a lot of education about is about practices of fruit. You know, the the terms organic, spray-free, or non-organic are really loosely used. And people think they know what they mean, but aren't. they make assumptions about what they, it means, and they haven't really studied it to know. But I am more than happy to educate people about our practices and how we keep our fruit clean of pests, presentable and we produce fruit that I feel good about feeding my family and friends and that I I eat myself. So that's the other thing is just helping people understand the differences of spray control or pesticide control because they think they know because they've been hearing key terms in the media or in Mm -hmm. their own reading, but they don't really know. So that's just another way to help break down barriers to local foods. And I would just suggest to anybody to talk to their farmer or the people who are going to farmer's market about their practices and buy local first before you uh, make judgment about about the farming practices of what people do. Because anytime that farmers have to ship product long distances, the more handling it gets, the more uh, potential it gets to be interfered with Mm -hmm. uh, to preserve its shelf life. When you buy local, such as our orchard, we pick the fruit and it goes straight to consumer. There is no other special handling or sorting. So you might get an apricot that has a a blemish on the skin because it was a a hail. It got blemished by the hail. But you know what? You might get that in your basket because it went straight to you. There was no pre-sorting or any way to further the freshness of that fruit, and it was tree ripe. Mm -hmm. So 
I just encourage people to buy local and talk to the farmers. Come visit us. We are a very open and welcoming orchard. We have worked really hard to make sure people can come and see us and bring their families and make it safe and enjoyable for everybody, including people who might have some mobility issues. We've got strollers and walkers in the orchard, and we try to get those trees close by so everybody can have a chance to pick their own. And you would not believe how much excitement people get about wanting to pick their own trees. Mm -hmm. And that is great because that just helps teach all of our future generations about where their food comes from. And like I said, my sister Gretchen and I, who own the orchard together, we love to eat and we really want to help educate anybody who's willing to listen about where their food comes from and how we're able to bring it to them. Well, Robin, if people want more information, what's the best way for them to find you, best way for them to contact you? Thank you for that. The best way, if you do Facebook, is to find us on Facebook under Kelly's Canyon Orchard. And there is directions to our orchard there, along with our contact information for our fruit stand. Our website is a good baseline of information, um, but the, it also gives um, information of how to contact the fruit stand also. So just give us a call. We'd be happy to tell you what's in season and what's coming up or use Facebook or our email address. Any of those mediums are really easy for you to get in touch with us and we're pretty good about responding unless we're out irrigating and we've got mud on our boots (laughs) and we can't get to the computer right away. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much for sharing today. My mouth is watering, but uh, I've eaten a lot of your fruit and I've (laughs) always enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Robin. You're welcome. I just would like to say thank you to all of our local support and customers. We would not be an orchard surviving 110 years without our community. And so I just want to give a shout out to all those people that make a trek down to the canyon to enjoy our space. Well said. Thanks again. Thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald. <laughs>